Northside Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to Behind the Connection. I am JT, and this is my podcast where I sit down with uh, friends and acquaintances and other podcast hosts and just shoot the shit for about an hour or so. We throw some wrestling on in the background and talk about what it's like to be a wrestling fan, how you found other wrestling fans, uh, maybe how you got into podcasting, etc., etc. This is episode 11. I've had a wonderful cavalcade of guests that I'm very proud of. Our last episode with Steve Willie was a lot of fun. We're going to keep that train rolling because here tonight with me is the, I'm not going to try to name them all, but he's a host and a co-host of a plethora of podcasts across all of our great networks here at the Place to Be Nation and North-South Extended Families. And that is my buddy, Jambalaya Jake Williams. How are you doing, Jake? I'm doing well. Um, I'm honored to be on this show. I'm a big fan. Um I like this um, the shoot series you got on. It's like the uh, the you shoot or what was the uh, yeah you shoot of you uh, porn. yeah <laughs> you porn you shoot of uh, of the uh, north south. So I'm, I'm honored to be on this. I, I'm hoping it uh, brings us some some good content. We'll see what happens though. I feel like I went over the top to start by having Rocco be the first one because <laughs> it was going to be almost like impossible. But I feel like everyone's done a really good job of keeping the show interesting for me, even after that amazing debut with him. Right. I may just have to start making things up to keep up with Rocker. Right. Right. Just go pure fictional. Yeah. Just just make shit up. Drug deals gone wrong. Mob hits. Whatever right. you can. Whatever you can work up. Uh, so if you're new to the show, we're we're kind of talking about it, but really it's just. Me and my friends, uh, imagine Jake and I are just sitting on my couch, throwing some wrestling on and just BSing uh, for an hour or so. And that's what we're going to do here tonight. Uh, Jake, the show you picked is NXT TakeOver New Orleans 2018. You want to give us a reason why? Yeah. So, I mean, aside from, you know, the quality of the show, that's not what we're going for here. But I I picked this one because I feel like this was um, the tipping point for me as far as, like, involvement with the – you know, with our whole little community we have here and doing the podcast, and everything, I feel like this was the um, like kind of the spark, not necessarily this show, but this weekend, which mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get into as we watch the show. No doubt. And it is a wonderful show. It's, it may be the best show that's been picked so far. I'd have to look back exactly at the list, but um, it's probably up there as far as quality, because I would argue it is maybe the best ever takeover. I guess we can get into that um, in a minute. But why don't we queue it up if you want to join along with us on Peacock? We're at 22 seconds paused, so you can pause us, load that up. I will warn you, though, if you are new to the show, we barely talk about what we're watching. Usually we go off on all kinds of tangents, but if you do want to have it on the background, have at it. All right, so let's start this, Jake, in three, two, go. Um, so um, had you been to a take? I'm sorry, good. You had some. I was going to say, I plan on calling the moves. Um, oh, okay. Move as we go through this, so. <laughs> well, I think me and you are both... Uh, used to do a play-by-play on podcast for sure so it's a, it's hard not right. to suddenly to stop but was right. this the first takeover you had attended yes it was actually this show is as far as you know it's weird i've been a wrestling fan for a while but this I, i'm trying to think but this would have only been like definitely in the single digits as far as like uh, probably in my first five wwe shows honestly because i really didn't go to a ton as in my youth right so when did you – so how old are you? I am 31, soon to be 32. That was something I thought would be interesting, would maybe make this one a bit different because obviously I've listened to these as you've been going along. And I would think off the top, I've, I've, I'm thinking I'm probably the youngest guest you've had on so far maybe. 
yeah, I think so. I think we skew. Right. We're like WWE. I think my guests skew in the 40s. Um, but right. Yeah. So maybe a at, different, I would say, I would say a different prism, you know, than maybe what you've had so far. Are you you're younger than Chad? I think so. I think I'm a few years younger than Chad. Not by a lot, but uh, just a couple. God, all these fuckers are old. Rocco, Winston, Gray, D'Amato. <laughs> God, yeah. All right, we're gonna break right. that down. I'm gonna have to get the Logan new on generation. The, <laughs> the new new generation. Of, uh, have to get Logan connection. on. <laughs> yeah. I think before before you, Capel might be the youngest, Tim or Chad, I guess. But um, right. yeah, okay, we're gonna bring the bring the demographics down a bit tonight. Uh, all right, so 32. So what year did you start watching? You said you were a fan for a long time, but just hadn't been to a lot of shows. But were you dialed in pretty young? Yes, absolutely. So I, you know, it's funny you said like the 80s stuff. That is not my time frame. So I just joked about the new generation, but that was my uh, my introduction. So I started watching late 95 is like my first memories where anything really stands out to me. But I would say Rumble 96, which is um, a very sentimental show. I, I almost made you watch that one. But given the um, the pods mm. you do and how much you have to watch 96, I decided to give you a break. On that. <laughs> yeah, I think but, um, you mentioned it. And I was immediately like, like I usually right. tell everyone like you can pick what you want. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't usually put much uh, restriction on it, but when you said that, I was like, <laughs> I just watched it for war zone within the last year. And we're creeping toward it more and more now into the rumble. And I'm like, I know right. like it's always, it's kind of been a sentimental show for me too, just because that era means so much to me, but um, it's a pretty boring, it's a pretty boring show overall. Right. Um, but that's when I, so I would see the first angle I remember that sticks in my head. You know, like when you're that young, everything's like kind of fuzzy, but I distinctly remember the, uh, the Shawn Michaels concussion angle in late 95. Like that's probably my first memory of something I remember watching live. And I was right. real young. Like I would, so I was born in 90. So I would have been like five or maybe just turned six or something. No, I would have just turned, actually I would have just turned five. So, yeah, I started super young. And so from that point on, that's when I started getting pretty dialed in. I would say by early 96, I was pretty locked in. So I started super young. So I am young, but I also started real young as a wrestler. Yeah, fan. it's always interesting to me because I, I feel like I have this inherent jealousy of all these guests that have been on the show so far, now you included. Because I feel like all of you got more started like in that age five, six, seven range, which to me would have been like wrestlemania three four you know which would have probably been incredible mm -hmm. to watch and witness live and not just going back through it because for me i i feel like i guess i'm on the later end of a lot of you know fans at least that in our neighborhood here um a fandom so because yeah i mean i was almost 10 by the time i really got into it mm -hmm. right so, so uh, yeah. your mm -hmm. live show? my first live show weird enough wwe wise was not until much later it's funny because we were talking about an obscure Elimination Chamber before, but the first show I ever went to was Elimination Chamber 2013, uh, I think it was. Yeah. So, if you can believe it. But, yeah, it was the one where um, it was the the Rock uh, CM Punk, like, rematch okay. after they had the one at the Rumble. Yep. yep. And, it was, and it was funny because I, I had not really planned on going to it, and I really was not super in it. Like, I think the punk stuff in 2011 kind of got me dialed back in a little bit, at least to where I was following the current stuff. But it was actually my uh, <laughs> my loving wife, like, knew I was obsessed with wrestling. Mm -hmm. And she was kind of like, we had just kind of met each other. I mean, we'd known each other for a few years, but, you know, 
we're kind of early in the relationship and she was like, you're obviously obsessed with wrestling. And she knew that they were having the show or whatever. And right. so she ended up buying the tickets and just pretty much made me go being one of my friends. She made us go. Cause she was like, you love this. Obviously <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're low key obsessed with it. Why don't you just go? And I'm like, you know, it was never something I really thought about. Cause I never went as a kid. And then, yeah, she just bought me the tickets and it was like, um, it was pretty cool because it was, as a kid, never going to any of it. And right. honestly, as one, I, I remember listening to the one you did with Tim, and he mentioned like never buying the pay-per-views. And it wasn't something I really did as a kid either. Mm-hmm. And so I would have been like college age by this time. And going to it was like a big deal for me to go to right. a a WWE pay-per-view when I'd never been to any WWE event in my entire life was like a pretty big deal for me, even though I wasn't like, you know, I can't say I was following that closely. It just kind of like blew my right. mind at the time. Yeah, and that's a big show to go to. It was like your first one. I mean, mm-hmm. Rock versus CM Punk, uh, right. for sure. That's like a big deal and a big show. Um, I will say there is like a certain magic to go as a kid that I wish you could have experienced. Uh, right. But I think on the flip side, to like have that long of a build and then finally go to one and like have it be a big one and not just like a house show or something is also really cool. Uh, right because like like you mentioned i so i sort of came up with the rock as being like i mean he and stone cold obviously were like the two that i so like they were sort of my hogan and macho man of my youth in a way yeah and so to see him and then like the punk stuff was sort of what got me at least keeping track of what current wrestling was doing so to see him it was extremely mind-blowing at the time like to see rock wrestle especially at that point because like he had just kind of recently come back. So Mm -hmm. if you were somebody who grew up with him and then, uh, you know, like grew up with him and then he kind of goes on to do movies, you would have thought like in the mid two thousands, it would have been crazy to think he would have never wrestled again. Like what reason would he have had to do it? Like, well, especially once all the stuff came out that like they fucked his contract up on purpose and like all that stuff in Oh five, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a shock to me that, people would have thought like oh yeah he's cooked like he's done he's pissed at them and that gap is that's a long gap that he's gone it's like yeah good five Mm -hmm. years or so so by that point you start to think yeah that's not gonna happen he's becoming too big of a star why does he have to come back so it makes sense and it's it's also interesting to me too because like was there in that stretch like what was the first period in your mind where like wrestling stopped being cool right like for me because I came in after the boom, mm-hmm. like it just was, that's just what wrestling was. Right. And then it got awesome. And for you, it's almost kind of similar because you came in in like 95, mm-hmm. you didn't experience it. Like, Oh, this is great. And then you had to live through the dregs. You know what I mean? And then I got great, great again. Does that make sense? Right. Right. So like for me, it, you know, saying I'm younger, like I think most of your guests so far have been like the eighties are kind of mm-hmm. there you know, where they fell in love with it. For me, it's almost similar because I really felt like I started in 95, but by the time I was like, you know, eight, nine, 10, which for a lot of people would have been like the the Federation era. For Mm -hmm. me, that was the attitude era, which I probably shouldn't have been watching as an eight year old, (laughs) but my parents didn't really care. But, you know, so it's a similar thing where it was just like, as soon as I was really starting to get to an age where I was really getting into it, it was just so hot. And like every, like, everyone was into it. Like I actually had friends and, you know, late elementary and like middle school who are into it. So 
it was really awesome at that point. But yeah, I would say the point I dropped off, I remember was, I would say, and it's funny because I do a podcast about this here, about <laughs> O2, <laughs> I started kind of fading a bit. I remember the, the, the last point where I was really locked in for a while would have been Mania 20. I remember getting Mania 20. Right. I remember cu- cutting grass and um, using my grass cut money to buy um, WrestleMania 20, which again probably makes you feel because <laughs> I know you were there live. Like as an I was, adult, <laughs> I was working <laughs> a real job, not right. cutting grass. Uh, but it's it that feels young to me too to like kind of throw the towel because I feel like most people it feels like. I guess by 04, you would have been in high school, but it feels like it's more like like later years of high school, beginning mm-hmm. of college seems to be when most people fade. So it feels like yours came a little early. Right. And I think it was getting into high school and getting into other things. And also, I think I think I kind of feel it like wrestling going into a downswing. Like, I know it hadn't quite gotten there by 04, but I just feel like I could feel it coming maybe. And, and it's like all, we all say, like, right. I think by that point, I didn't have, like, when I was younger, I had friends who were into it. They might have been as, like, weirdly obsessed with it as I was at an early age. But, like, I can remember being at friends' houses and we'd have, like, sleepovers in the summer of, like, 98, 99. And we would, like, watch Raw. And my friends were into it, you know. And I feel right. like at that point, it's kind of hitting where... You know, similar to I, I keep going back to it, but I feel like it's such a parallel. Like people grew up in the '80s and like the early mm-hmm. '90s, it starts fading. I feel like yeah. it's the same thing in the early 2000s. Like I'm hitting high school, you know, it's not really on other people's radar, and it just I start getting other interests and in things, and it just kind of starts to fade off for me. Did you think in like '97, '88, like this is just how wrestling is? It's awesome, or did you know at some point? it may drop off because you're in your world. Like, mm-hmm. again, you probably only had a year or so before it got like super hot. So like, did you think, Oh, wrestling is just always this amazing and everyone's into it. Right. Like, no, honestly, that's really how I felt. Like it was in like the Monday night war stuff was such mm-hmm. a, like I was locked into that at like age eight. And it's so funny to, to go back and hear people talk about this because like, to me, Hulk Hogan was like a WCW guy. And, like, what I grew up with was, like, Hulk Hogan as Hollywood Hogan. So it wasn't until, like, later going back when I wanted to find all this stuff. So it's, like, a completely different viewpoint of all this. But Mm -hmm. I I loved it. Like, it was so awesome to just, like, as a a young kid, flip back between the two shows. And I remember a lot of times, like, especially in the summer or if it was, like, a holiday and I was off of school, like, they would do the the Nitro replay at, like, midnight or whatever. Yep. And that was like the greatest, like to why, cause I was always kind of more WWF. Um, me and Chad kind of talked about that. Like we're both from the South. So you think we'd be like WCW, mm-hmm. but I think we talked how we're both big WWF fans. And so it was always raw first, even when Nitro was probably the better show. So was but WCW remember, like on mm-hmm. your radar right in the beginning, or did you kind of stumble across it as you went? It was really nitro. Like, I guess this is like Eric Bischoff thinking like his, his master plan, like worked out because honestly, before nitro WCW was not even a a thought in my head. Like it was Monday night raw. It was the pay-per-views, um, all that stuff. And then when nitro came along, it just, and that's when I became, it was like Monday nights were just like wrestling night for me as a kid. Mm -hmm. It was, it was like appointment viewing every single week to watch those two shows and like flipping back and forth or watching the, uh, you know, watching the nitro replay. It was incredible. <laughs> like I was, 
but to your point, like I thought this is just what wrestling is like, right. and even, you know, even though I start a little bit earlier, I wasn't old enough to know, like in 96 that, you know, Oh, they're, uh, they're still trying to find their way or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, on a downstairs. Yeah. I didn't care. Like I, <laughs> I thought it was great. It Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. I thought they were both awesome. And I didn't really think too much about that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's Chatter going through a wrestling war zone, like, oh, 96, like, Raw is still so hit or miss. But at the time, like, it's it's still good. <laughs> like, at the at the time, in, in that time period as a kid, like, it's nothing on there that makes you say, oh, this is terrible. You know what I mean? Like, it's perfectly acceptable as a wrestling television show. There was just enough to keep you interested, for sure. Uh, and then especially with Nitro heating up. Was the NWO confusing, like, at that age as a kid? Or is it, like... Did, did it resonate still? No, I think it did. Like, I don't think it resonated in a sense of like, like I never thought about as a kid, like, man, this is so much grittier than what wrestling normally right. is. But it, it made it very like, I don't know how to say it. Like, like that unpredictability I loved. Like, I remember being at my grandmother's house watching the, um, the one where Ray gets lawn darted. And yep. I just thought this, like, I didn't think like, man, this is so groundbreaking, but I just thought it was so, it was much more like visceral, you know, Mm -hmm. it just, it was like so unpredictable. I never knew it was going to happen. And I didn't have like this idea that it was new, but it just seemed awesome. So it didn't, it probably didn't resonate with me on the same level as like older people, as far as it being so different than what had come before. But I think that's kind of the beauty of how they did it is that I think it works on both levels. Yep. I think if you're just watching it as a wrestling angle, it works. But if you're watching it, somebody in the know, it also works in that way, too. I mean, you guys talk about all the time in Wrestling Warzone, how well executed it, especially early on. Yeah, I mean, they're crushing it week after week in 96. It's like insane. The hit rate of success. I feel like it's I, I feel like it's like underrated, honestly, because, you know, the talk later is how they squandered it. Right. And it got mm-hmm. too big and all the creative control and Bischoff just wanted to be one of the boys and all this other crap and how bloated a guy and redundant, blah, 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 blah. And I also feel like they get their due. They say it was groundbreaking, but I I don't feel like it's a true appreciation of how, how many things they nailed along the way to make all of that get so big. It wasn't like, Oh, it's just a cool angle. And it was black and white and had this cool music and they look cool. Like it's just unfolds episodically. So wonderfully every week. Yeah, like the way it hooks you, and that's the thing that that really, when I think back to when I watched it as a kid, and I think it hit people as adults the same way, is, like you said, the episodic nature. It was like the first time I had ever, even that young, mm-hmm. had re- really had anything that was like a serial kind of thing that I watched. Right. Where it was like, you know, like you watch cartoons or whatever as a kid, and they just play the same ones, over, the same episodes, like kind of on a loop. Mm-hmm. And it was just like every week it was like my thing to see what was going to happen. And I feel like we're so, I mean, obviously people are still into it, but it's like the modern stuff, but I don't feel like it's as much watch. And I think it's like the on demand nature of things too. But it was like, I mean, every single Monday I was so locked, like it was what I looked forward to on a Monday and kind of in my weeks too was on Monday, you're going to have nitro and, and raw and that's where you're going to watch I, I just feel like that can't be understated like the serial nature of it and how every week you felt so like you couldn't miss it yeah. in a way and it, it's so weird for me getting older and i feel kind of the, the opposite about wrestling now where it's mm-hmm. like i 
I feel like now we're much more inclined to hear about something cool and then feel the need to go back and watch it once we found out it was cool. Like we don't find the need to watch it week to week to see what's going to happen. I think the accessibility helps too. Like once DVR right. became a thing, because I wanted to touch on the center because you mentioned the Nitro replay and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think like that's another thing that's historically overlooked of how important I believe that was to a lot of fans because mm-hmm. it allowed you and this probably went against Nitro. And, and I don't think there's probably a ton of people that did it this way based on the ratings alone. But like for me, I could watch raw. And then even if I didn't, watch the nitro replay because if it was too late or whatever i could record it mm-hmm. um and and watch it the next day or whatever and that's usually what i did a lot of the time um but i also would imagine like it helped with if you think of their target demo it was not only just teenagers it was probably like p- people in, the, in their early 20s and you know what kind of jobs do a lot of those you know age groups usually work right it's like nighttime mm-hmm. retail you know bartenders a lot of people probably getting out of work at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night getting home and oh look nitro's on at midnight um and in a time where it wasn't as easy to like mm-hmm. yeah you may have a vcr but it just wasn't as intuitive like tapes were expensive it was a pain in the ass to set like it you know it wasn't like super easy to program your vcr record something have tapes available um so having that there was a pretty genius move by by whether it was tnt or bischoff to give that additional option i know raw had it for a little bit in late 95 it actually the replay was on thursday nights and like that was good too but i feel like that's forgotten and and you know it's just something that today you don't need because everyone's a good dvr it's not on demand it's on youtube like it's just everything's available instantly for you and so circling back to your point i think that allows you to not have to be as dialed in because you can literally you see something on twitter or a group chat or whatever it is like you can pull it up within like seconds because I would gather that even though most of us, and I'm just going to even go by our group alone. Most of us aren't watching raw live. I would guess right. all of us are pretty much DVRing it, right? <laughs> like, like you're at least mm-hmm. recording it. Like I have YouTube TV and I, it's in my library. Right. So like I can go put it on, um, in, in a, in a snap, right. And just load it up and play it. And, uh, I would assume most of that level. So it's, you don't need to almost because like you said, and now, look, if they had a more compelling show, like, I think so. I think I would gather a lot of people watch Dynamite Live, right? Because stuff happens. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think Dynamite's kind of has the, the current. Um, yeah, I feel like you feel that much more with them nowadays. Mm-hmm. And, like, another thing about, the, like, is the, um, it's like the pay-per-views. Like, I never, like I said, I mentioned Tim earlier. And I, I, when I listened to his, I kind of, I connected with that because, as a kid, we never got the pay-per-views. And even, like, my dad kind of watched it week to week. Like, it was yep. just kind of like, like, he knew I watched it. He just kind of threw it on because it was just something on TV. And so he would watch it. But just the idea of spending, like, $30 or, mm-hmm. like, a couple hours of TV just seemed kind of unheard of for him. Like, it just didn't right. really register. And so the – and so I think about that now and – like the idea of even like if I'm watching a pay-per-view on the network or on Peacock or whatever, and I'll just like get up and go do something. I feel like when you were watching them back when you paid, you know, full price for them, you mm-hmm. were like, <laughs> like if you had to piss, you had to make sure you really had to piss or something before you. Oh yeah. Like for ran sure. out, like you were not going to miss a moment. And now we're just so. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, like, yeah, right. And even going to live shows, too. Like, if you would have told me as a kid, like, oh, yeah, you'll go to a live show, and if it's a match you're not into, you need to pee, you'll just get up. 
like younger me would have thought you were insane. Like right, younger me would have thought, <laughs> right. If you're going to be there live, like you don't move. Like what a privilege. And here I am like, you know, I'll go get a beer. This match is, <laughs> right. Jacket it in the luxury suite bathroom. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the um and by the way thank you 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 were my main bathroom escort uh in Vegas which I appreciate when I was on my crutches hopped up to the bathroom praying I didn't slip and fall on like some water spot right, or like, something like that is something I thought about when we did that like so when we went to the suite in Vegas for SummerSlam it was a weird kind of moment to think like man when I was a kid I remember watching this on like mm-hmm. scramble vision <laughs> like watching whatever's in your I remember distinctly watching um. What's it in your house? A rage in a cage or something? Yeah, I remember yeah. watching that one on Scramble Vision, and it was like the Shawn Michaels Owen Hart match. I remember it distinctly, and I'm thinking when I'm a kid watching that, and here I am in this like sweet <laughs> drinking wine. And I'm like, man, what a great journey. Tim Slonka. <laughs> right. The uh, um, Scramble Vision. Did you watch like every pay per view pretty much? Uh, usually, whenever. Um, so. Early on, like when I first began fan, so we had the, we definitely had like one of my parents' friends who would tape them. Mm-hmm. Like they would buy them all and we wouldn't really go to their house to watch them, but it would usually be like the week after yep. I would get the tape. And so I got it that way. But then as I got a little older, um, it's always funny because I remember when I first started listening to like Place to Be Pod, I remember always talking about that you had like a friend Rich, right? that you would mm-hmm. watch wrestling with. And I was the same way. So it was like a weird, like I had a friend rich and he was like my wrestling buddy, but he had a, um, an uncle that had the black box. And so by the time I was like, I think by like 97, when I was like yep. seven or eight, his uncle had the black box. So we would go and, um, we had the black box hookup, which was nice. The black box was killer. Yeah. I, my, it was my friend Jim that had the black box. Um, and that's a good conversion rate for you to get the tape a week later. Like I remember I had some <laughs> in the early nineties, it would be like a month and a half. I'd have to wait to get it. And then Jim, once Jim got old enough, like with the black box, he would turn them out for me pretty quick and I'd get mm-hmm. them. But I was watching pretty much after WrestleMania eight, my cousin was into it enough and spoiled. He was an only child spoiled enough. His parents got like everyone for like a few years. So I went there like clockwork and it was a different era. Like, I mean, by the time you were into it, they were already monthly. Mm-hmm. I had five years of only like, you know, four to five a year. And I mean, I definitely have super fun memories of watching WCW Scramble Vision pay-per-views like on a Sunday night, especially like in the summer, like you're outside all day, come in, shower quick, it's eight o'clock. I would literally just sit on my bed and either play with my wrestling figures or if it was a school year, do homework and just listen to the entire pay-per-view on scramble vision. Maybe you catch a little zigzag here and there, but mm-hmm. and I'll tell you, like it sounds nuts now, but it was like, not that bad of an option. Like right, as opposed right. to not hearing or seeing any of it, <clears throat> like it was just like listening on the radio. And in that era, sports on the radio was obviously like, I mean, it's still a big deal, but it was even bigger back then. Like mm-hmm. listening to baseball, on the radio was a big thing and everything else. I mean, listening to it was just like listening to wrestling on the on the radio, and you just had your announcers calling it. And yeah, you didn't get to see the big spots and stuff, but you knew who won, you knew title changes, you knew big appearances and all that stuff. So, like, it was like I think we were lucky to have it, honestly. Like, if it was like pay per view now, where you just don't get it if it's not if you don't order it, it was cool that we just had it available in that format for us. Right. No, that's what I remember too. It's funny you said the audio because that's what I remember most is that. 
you know, it would be like a, every three seconds you caught like one image of what was going on. Yeah. But the yeah. audio, I remember not being bad. Like you no, could it was like crystal clear. Yeah. Right. And I remember as a kid, too, it was and I think this is part of growing up in the Attitude Era where it was much more kind of really following week to week what the storylines were. Is right. I remember like, you know, I liked the matches and stuff, but it was really just wanting to know what happened. Like, yeah. who was going to win? Like, did Stone Cold win the title? Like, did he lose? Right. Did he lose the title? Did he win? So it was much more always about And I remember, like, you know, like, um, checking on the website, like, the day after or something mm-hmm. to see who was going to win. Or if I didn't have a chance to check the website, like, just waiting for Raw, if you didn't watch the pay-per-view, to see who, like, what happened. And those stills are, like, uh, like, anytime I go back and watch stuff and they, they have like the raw after pay-per-view and they do <laughs> yes. the stills. It's just such a, like, I don't know if anything brings you such intense nostalgia as the, <laughs> the stills the night after a pay-per-view on raw. Just to see what is, happened. Right. So, so you mentioned like, um, especially on the Hogan thing, like going back to catch up and stuff like that again. And you know, the age thing is a such plays such a role in all of this. So for me to catch up, right. Start watching 90. I want to go see what happens. Say, Modern era on, like, right, 84 to 89. I had to go to the, the rental, uh, you know, video store, pick out which one I wanted to rent, and that might be it for two weeks, right? I'm going to watch mm-hmm. that for a couple. I might watch three times in the weekend because I wanted to get my money, my three bucks worth. <laughs> so I'm going to watch it. Um, and I might not get another one for a few weeks. But for you, when you're starting to get there, it's still VHS, but I feel like you're, you're by the time you were curious enough, like, was, like, well, YouTube's later, right? When's YouTube start? Like, 06? Right, yeah. So YouTube would have been when I was later in high school. I will right. tell you the thing, the first like real internet way I remember to watch matches was in like the early 2000s when you started having like file sharing programs. Like, right, um, yeah. Like Kazaa. Yeah, 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 like Kazaa. And by that point, you could kind of get a match. Like right. if you'd go in there, you could download, not shows. I mean, that would take you like an eternity, but like you could get um, specific matches Especially like the legendary ones, mm-hmm. Hogan, Andre, you know, like, I mean, that shit was everywhere by that point to get like the, the more famous, easy, accessible ones. Right. And I remember um, as a kid, too, before that became a thing, I remember and I don't know if you had an experience, experience like this, but I remember going to like people like I would go to people's houses who are like like friends of a friend or something. And mm-hmm. we go to like hang out or like sleep over or something. And I would discover that they had like wrestling tapes because, you know, like everybody in the 90s had like fucking shelves of tapes Mm -hmm. of just random shit. And I would discover these people would have like, oh, yeah, it's just like our wrestling tapes. And I was like the weird like, like, (laughs) wait a second, you have wrestling tapes? Right, right. And so like, um, right, like even by like 97, 98, these people would have like more low key stuff that maybe you would see in the video store like these uh, like king of the ring 94 or some stuff mm-hmm. like that or like the survivor series and stuff and i'm like hey you, you mind if we throw that on They're like i mean i guess if you want to watch this <laughs> random like we're gonna play did you ever try and steal we, any I, I never stole them but it was very um like i was like almost i was very pushy about it like, like can we just throw that on and i guess like like i said when i was growing up wrestling wasn't like a you know it was kind of a little bit more popular just the idea of wrestling but it was it was very much like if I went to someone's house and they had the tape, so I was I was like, yeah, why don't you throw that on? I mean, that's pretty cool. I've never seen that. But like you were, I just felt like I was always in the hunt for it. 
in my childhood. And even when the internet became a thing and it wasn't like everything at your fingertips, it's like anything you could get access to. It was just like a big deal. I want to talk about the spot for a minute. Uh, Right. I don't know how EC3 is alive. Uh, We're still in the opening ladder match, which it holds up wonderfully. Uh, But Killian Dane with like two guys on his back to set a Vader bomb onto a ladder onto EC3. Uh, controlling his narrative right there, but that was, uh, <laughs> that was brutal looking. Right. Uh, I also enjoyed the shot of uh, young Britt Baker in the crowd during Adam Cole's entrance earlier, which was cool. This is a very, um, you know, all time match, but the participants, uh, a few of them have been lost to time. I think. Well, yeah. Lars have, Sullivan with, we had the Velveteen Dream epic spot where he jumps off the 20-foot ladder. That's kind of yes. like, uh, you know, he's kind of evaporated. <coughs> he, uh, but I'll tell you, his 18 is up there. Like, I've been watching some of it in front of the project, and it's, um, it, yeah, it's it's up there. Like, his, it's crazy to me. It sucks that he's such a piece of shit because right. uh, they definitely had something with him uh, for sure, like. It was there because he could go. It wasn't just like, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't just like charisma with no ability. It was like he's got a lot of good stuff in that year. Right. He was kind of pegged to maybe be like one of the guys when, you know, around this time. And then, you know, but it, this is a weird match, too, because of the the people. And like when you think like this was in my greatest WWE matches and just when you like, it definitely deserves it, but it's just a weird to think that, like, Lars right. Sullivan, Killian Dane, like, these guys are on my... Uh, well, this is probably the best ever. match of these guys' career, easily, right? These two, right. EC3, I would assume, <laughs> it's his best match. Um, Jesus. Uh, all right. The Are you at all, like, nostalgic for NXT? Yeah, I think I talked about this on a previous episode. I'm going to Jenny, but, um, like, I don't mind NXT 2.0. I think it's been fine. I enjoyed TakeOver in mm-hmm. Dallas. But I find myself already nostalgic for this era of TakeOver. Now, I, I went to a bunch live during this, like, three-year mm-hmm. stretch. Even. Uh, but it feels like we never got real closure on it. Like, it just kind of got right. taken because they tried to go head-to-head with AEW. They failed. Vince got mad. They retooled it, right? And Triple H died and whatever's going on with that. And I feel like they – it just like, no one was really ready for it to go away. At least I wasn't. Right. I think to me, when I like get nostalgic about for something that's just not that old, but is that I feel like amongst our like little community, mm-hmm. it's probably the most. I mean, I think maybe some of the recent like big AW shows maybe get there. Right. But I always remember like, um, you know, like like you said, a, a lot of like you went to or different people went to mm-hmm. but just like in our chats and stuff i feel like it's the most like pure excitement i've seen a, from from people about wrestling events in the past 10 years or something just like pure joy and like excitement over watching a wrestling show some of these takeovers yeah i mean they were the bigger focal points of the weekend a lot mm-hmm. of times than like the dirty pay-per-views for sure and it sucks because actually i missed a lot of those like you know watching them now like it gets, I don't know if we'll be there. It might be there by then, but whatever. It's it's we're doing an NXT season for for Dirty War, so I'm kind of rewatching some, and a lot of them are a blind spot for me. Like except for the ones I went to, because most of them are on weekends of pay per views, which I usually would watch either have people over or whatever. So it was oftentimes hard for me 
to also like at home say, oh, Saturday night at eight, I'm going to watch this and then also have people over the paper the next night. So a lot of times I didn't watch them live like as everyone was. And then I kind of watch them when I could after. But like so many I've only seen maybe once in parts or I went to and never rewatched. Like I'm really enjoying actually watching them and like kind of digging back in on it. And I'm nostalgic for the idea of it. And just like how special it was, because it it was it was just the first real different thing they did, like in forever, because the product itself was so static from probably what oh I would say oh five till it started really in earnest in like fourteen fifteen with the network, um, and I know the product evolved because as someone who's watched a lot of her PTB. You know, 05, 06, 07 is very different than like 09, 10. Like you still have a lot of stars and it's still edgier. But for all intents and purposes, the general presentation and booking, et cetera, is like on par. And that has been fairly static. But NXT just felt like this dream diversion from something you never thought they would ever do. Like you never thought WD would, would have their own separate brand that's like an indie superstore dream factory right like oh yeah we're just gonna sign all those big names and let's let them go have you know 20 minute matches on these random five you know five times a year shows and it would become this underground it just it seems so unlike wwe which i guess we should have expected at some point they would just say fuck it but um it's just this like seven to eight year stretch of like oh god these were like just a special moment in time yeah it felt like so crafted for like our type of fans i feel like like people had been watching this for a long time and maybe are a little bit kind of jaded on the typical stuff but at the same time like right. bring these like indie guys <laughs> but then at the same time bring that like wwe production value yeah it just felt like such a and i think everybody kind of knew at the time like it's kind of wild that they would even bother to do this and eventually it kind of faded and now it's you know it's still like you said it's not like it's horrible or something but it's just a different feel to it nowadays but it just felt at the time so crafted for like it felt like it was geared towards us in a way like older wrestling fans were like hardcore but maybe not hardcore enough to be like super obsessed with the indies or something yeah no i'd agree 100 i think that was the target was to vary and it was smart and it was a smart target to say okay well we have this these resources and ability you know and i agree like i think it was just there for you know, maybe I'm more likely to travel to SummerSlam because I can go to TakeOver Brooklyn the night before, right? So um, they almost became part of the destination. And I think NXT 2.0 is kind of back to the original idea for what NXT was, like kind of where you are on PTV NXT, like mm-hmm. that 13, 14 range. I feel like what it is now is kind of similar to that. It's just it right. escalated so quickly when they started signing talent and sending them there. It's really what probably... What do you think is the turning point? Like take over Dallas probably. So 16 to 20 is kind of really like where it became indie super, you know, super shows. I know like Owens right. and Zayn was before that, but that almost felt like an anomaly across the show. To me, it really started to become like, like, like when the tag division exploded with like revival and DIY and yeah, yeah. I'd say like 16 to me is when it really fired up. Right. I feel like the, the, like Samoa Joe and Finn and Sammy and Kevin Owens yep, were kind of yep. like, I feel like that's when they discovered like, Hey, you know, we might be on the something here. Maybe we should just raid the Indies and 
do that whole thing. Like, I feel like they felt that they were kind of capturing something, maybe, and that's what they want. <laughs> Anytime someone breaks through this a ladder. This match is insane. Those, <laughs> like, like, that was something that made me feel old the first time I saw it. Was when, <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, so we're smashing. The ladders are being used as tables now. Got it. I'll tell you what's a cool uh, thing to break as I, EC3. <laughs> he just looks so much like Grooney. It's like, I can't shake it. Um, <laughs> the uh, At the GCW show we went to over Mania Weekend in Dallas, they used doors instead of tables. And those make an awesome sound, like this wicked loud snap sound, which yeah. sounded really cool. Yeah, like pop, I would assume, because it's like kind of hollow usually. Yeah, it was cool. It, was, it seemed like actually more fun than tables. Um that was a whole nother thing. What is the, uh, so what's like the most random show like that? Like you ever been to some random indie or local show that had like some big star or future star made it known at the time, but do you have anything like that? Like on your radar, that's just like, Oh, I can't believe in 2000, whatever I went to the show and so-and-so was there. So I would say like, it didn't really like all this stuff kind of coincided. Like I, um, so I started getting back into wrestling I would say probably like when the punk stuff happened, like mm-hmm. for a lot of people, like 2011 and it got back on my radar and then started getting more into the, um, like the, the PTV pot kind of got me into it. And then obviously like getting, you know, as time went on and then this show and meeting everyone and getting more involved with all that. But I think around then is when I started and I got older where I was like college age, where if I wanted to do something, I could just kind of go on my right. own. So I have seen a decent amount and we have a, a decent kind of indie promotion here and we get these, I don't know if it just kind of goes back to maybe the like NWA and like mid South kind of it being ingrained down here of like mm-hmm. the, the smaller shows, but I've definitely seen like, I've seen Duggan in, in like a gym before, like wrestling in front of like 40 people. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Matt Hardy. I've met him before at like, so you get a lot of like um, like local shows, and they'll bring in like one or two people. So I've, I've been to a few like that, and we have um, a fairly legitimate here, like in New Orleans. There's uh, Wildcat Wrestling mm-hmm. that uh, it's um, oh, what's the guy Luke Cox who um, oh yeah 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 you may have seen him on Dark Side of the Ring on the uh, XPW episode, but he runs that, and that they're fairly legitimate. Like they run pretty big shows and have kind of um, you know known people. They'll bring in people from like. TNA and Ring of Honor and stuff for shows and you know your your older guys who are running the indie circuit nowadays. So like, were you um, in pretty early on PTV? Earliest, I would say. So I think I started watching it. I'm watching, uh, listening. Um, in I want to say like 20, uh, probably like 2012, 2013. Okay, yeah, that's so right. yeah, yeah. So I. When I when I first got to college, my first so I was an English major, so not a lot of job prospects are <laughs> out the gate for an English major. So I got a job where you um like working for like the cable company where I would like go to people's houses and like install their internet or cable. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a a good portion of my day just like driving from place to place. Right. And so I was constantly looking for things to listen to, like kind of pass the time while I was driving for multiple hours a day. And this was kind of at the same time where I was sort of getting back into wrestling and also just like discovering what podcasts were. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of, I don't know what it was. And I think it was like, I might've saw you guys on like the Scott Keith blog, which I'm not, you know, like 
I think I just kind of was aware of the Scott Key stuff because anytime, if you're just like looking for wrestling online, oh, yeah. you're going to find Scott Key. Like, yep. And so I think some way like down the rabbit hole, I found you guys and I just started listening, like binging them. Because like I said, I would be like driving for hours a day and I just started binging through the PTB pod. And it was like, it just felt so perfect for me because you guys were covering the, the WF pay-per-views in chronological order. And I was like, man, this is like for me. And, um, so yeah, it was pretty early on, but I didn't like get involved until a little bit later. Yeah. Ziggs, I don't remember you like on the message board or on the mm. early Facebook days. I remember you started popping up writing stuff for the site, but right. who did you go through? Cause I don't think it was through me. Was it this through Brad? Think, did you reach out? I, I went through you actually. I, oh, um, did you? Yeah. I emailed you. A- eventually I was just like, because, um, and to you guys' credit, like, you always made it, like, a big part of the pod and everything, like, the community part of it. Mm-hmm. And even if you were listening to, like, episodes that were older, you guys were always talking about, like, you know, check out the Facebook page, check out the chat. And so eventually I was, like, because th- which is a running theme on these Behind the Connections is, um, you know, the the loner wrestling fan. Like, you're constantly mm-hmm. just <laughs> in search. Looking for anyone. Yeah. Right. And so eventually I just kind of got the the balls to be like, you know what? I'll just email this guy and I'll be like, you know what? Like, I, I know you guys talking about it. Do you guys still have the message board? I think by that point, the message board had kind of tapered off a bit. Right. And you, and you had told me like, well, the message board is not there, but we have the Facebook group and the chat and everything. And so you added me there. And then eventually it's like my, <laughs> and this is how I am in, throughout life. It always takes me a while to like, right. just sort of, like I never like to come in hot on people, mm-hmm. and so I kind of was like, you know, I was in the once you get there though, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. It takes me a while, but and so I was kind of in the chat, but I wouldn't like really participate too much. And eventually, like I had the idea, I was like, hey, maybe I'll write some for the site. So I reached out, and that's when you kind of hooked me up with Brad, and I started okay. writing stuff. And then, and then the reason I picked this show is because I feel like this is when, so we had the. Um, the tailgate hang on, hang on for though. this one. What did you write about? Because it was something really random. Was it mid? It really it was, was, yeah, yeah. Mid Atlantic. Um, yes, it was Mid Atlantic, and I think the reason I picked that is because I wanted to do something that was very like, like I was trying to think of an angle, you know. Right. I was trying to think of, so I thought, you know, this. So my angle was like, I grew up in the '90s. I'd never watched any of this old, you know, NWA and mid-atlantic stuff and so i thought it'd be cool to go back and watch that and this was also like in the early days of the network where that was like really novel to be able to have access to this stuff right in quality so that was kind of my thing i was like you know what if i watch this older stuff and and, and like i've heard you talk about it to me because i always have just a fascination with anything i haven't seen yeah like whether i think it's going to be good or not good really is not even that relevant to me it's just if it's new i'm interested and I remember your your stuff stood out because you did like um, a lot of pictures with it, right? Like screen caps and stuff. Right, I did. I tried to. I was just trying to think of what I could do to make it like interesting or yeah. different or something. And it was yeah. um, but like you guys have figured out writing is it's a lot of work. <laughs> it was like I always liked doing it, and like we put a lot into those early days on the site. Like a lot of time editing and writing, and I had, and I did have high hopes for it. It was just, mm-hmm. it was a lot. <clears throat> I think the biggest thing is we never really progressed to where like paying people 
because we, we were just in this weird spot where like is it ever really going to make it to like invest money in it um beyond just like buying the the host of the site but um i think as we learned like you only kind of ride the the lightning of working for free for so long you know what i mean like it felt cool people were interested they wanted to do it but as soon as it becomes like too much like a job where you're not getting paid for um we struggle to like keep that momentum and kept cycling through people that were just like yeah i want to do something but when it came time when it, you know came time to push it it's like well i just don't have the time and this and that it's like well it's hard to say like well you're on the pay you know you're not on the payroll it's just whatever it is right. what it is it's all free contributed contributors so i'm proud of it i mean it lasted a lot longer than mm-hmm. i you know probably should have honestly um it's still going today i'm not trying to downplay it but right. um it was like the goals of it that we had in place lasted longer than I would have expected given the um, turnover and et cetera like that. But it was, it was fun. Like, but you're right. Like the writing and me and Scott did the written reviews for freaking ever. And I guess I'm still writing a ton because I take all those freaking notes of these shows, but uh, it was, it was a lot. It's definitely a lot to sit and write it. Like I, I look at like, um, I don't know if you follow John Canton at all, the Canton report. Um, his reviews are good yeah. or our buddy, Bob Colling. Right. Who, Bob like blows my mind. My like, lord, like, like you know, like just the brief so time, the, the the brief time, like you said, I did those and eventually, it's like very satisfying but very exhausting. Like, mm-hmm. and so like when he talks about all the stuff he does, I'm just like, I don't know how you can do it, man. Like, I, it just it it will burn me out. And I think the thing too is that I think what helps with the podcast thing is the social aspect to it. Yeah, it's yeah. like if you're if you're writing something, you're just kind of sitting there writing it on your own. I think what could help you kind of power through, even if the the podcast thing sometimes can feel like, you know, if your to do list is getting kind of mm-hmm. long, is like this, like the feeling that well, at least I get to go kind of chat with my buddies about wrestling or whatever it is we're talking about. So that kind of can kind of push you a little bit further along. Yeah, for sure, a hundred percent. That's a big part of it. Um, but yeah, his stuff is is the wrestlingrecaps.com. I believe is like super. Yeah, I mean, he's been at it forever, too, and he just turns out an incredible clip, so God bless him. Um, right. But, yeah, the writing and, – and I did it, like, you know, I look back at the message board, which is still out there, Bigelow34.probars.com, and right. and I, I transitioned a lot of it to a blog over the last couple of years because I didn't know, like, you know, PTBN right now, like, the domain's being hosted, but what if it goes away someday? Like, I had no clue, so I wanted to transition all my stuff just to something like I had just a, a free blog or whatever. And I went back and pulled all my shit off the message board, all the stuff off BTB and, and copied it over to this blog. And even just like the random shit I did, like years of nitros and live raws. I, I think I recap raw for like two years, like 07 to 09 on the message board. Um, and I do it live and have it up. Like when it ended, I'd like challenge myself every week to like, I wanted to hit posts as like it faded out. Like that was my goal. And, um, you know, I clean it up during the commercials and stuff, but yeah, it's, it's a commitment to do like that much on the fly. And I just think of guys like Scott Keith, like Canton, even like CRZ, who did it forever. Like, it's just, it's a lot of words over a lot of years to like, still have that passion to write it like that. Yeah. I think it's like hardcore wrestling fans like us. It's just such a big part of, you know, like, I, like I didn't really get into reading that stuff till a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But it's like when you go down that rabbit hole, it's just oh, yeah. I feel like it's such a big part of being a like a hardcore wrestling fan. It's all their written reviews and stuff. And I, 
you know, I know there's still people who do it, but it's probably past. Maybe it's heyday because podcasts and stuff are so big now. But it is such a indelible part of, like, hardcore wrestling fandom is all those written reviews and stuff. And it's, like, I still go back to them. Like, if I'm, like, when I'm doing Ruthlessly Aggressive mm-hmm. and I'm doing a show, I always go back and look at the whatever written reviews are online just to kind of get an idea of yeah how people felt about it. It was a godsend for me because they really, that became like a big thing as I was getting to college. So I just had a lot of time to kill it. It was work study or computer class, you know, whatever. Like I would just have CRZ pulled up or Keith, you know, neck cop pulled up. Right. And just be reading it, sitting there in computer class or work study. I remember the daily lariat. I don't know if you ever read that, but I was like Bob Ryder and Dave Shearer won wrestling every Tuesday. I think it was every Tuesday. They would have like a 10 page um thing where recap for all recap nitro had all the news and that was just like tuesdays at work study tuesday night like i knew it was like i'm spending an hour and a half just reading the daily lariat and even when i started my first job in connecticut you know where scott works now and andy um i just had a lot of late nights and i remember i would just like there was one room i was in that didn't have internet like it was blocked for a bit or something. It was, it was basically like the live room and I'd go in there, I'd be the assist. So for NFL network, like total access would be on and I'd have to like run the break, you know, make sure the break triggered or whatever, and just make sure everything was copacetic. So just be sitting there and I would copy and email myself like CRZ reviews and stuff, like just to read mm-hmm. even. And ones I'd probably read like 50 times. I just would read them over and over. And I remember one guy was like, one time, like, saw me reading it, and he's like, what the fuck are you reading? And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, the recaps of the wrestling shows from, like, six years ago. And he's like, it's just giant walls of text. And I'm like, yep, it's just a lot of words. Describe this match. And, like, it's just, you know, CRZ, like, you know, 70,000 words on a Raw from 98 or whatever. But I read those things so many times. I've read the Net Cop rants so many times. When, um, like, so when you were younger, w- when did you first, like, discover that stuff? Like, was it pretty early on for you? So I was online. I first got on CompuServe in like late 95. I was on AOL in early 96. But I didn't find that stuff until I really expanded on the web, which was like when I got to college in 98. So I think I found CRZ. He was probably one of the first. And I don't know if I found him or if Adam Murray turned me on to him. I think I've said this before. I didn't, I didn't even know what a website was for like two years because my dial up at home was so slow. Anytime right. I tried to go to a website, it would drag to open. So I was just like, screw it. So for like two years, I literally just lived on like the AOL hub, which was chat rooms, news, news feeds and stuff like that. Like that was it. So my news all came from like idiots in a chat room, which was like 85% bullshit. <laughs> Either that or calling um sushi x hotline or the journal, <laughs> journal line hotline um and that was it like sushi x would update like four times a day and i would call like uh, uh, like just obnoxiously trying to catch the newest update before it went away and it would be like three or four minutes of this dude just reading shit from the observer i'm sure um so i would say probably by 98 99 i knew who crz was i knew who scott keith was uh the big one i loved wrestle crap uh, with mm-hmm. R.D. Reynolds, like, and I actually looked at it last month. I'm like, is this still going, Russell Crap? And it is actually still going, but in its heyday, because to me now, like everyone knows everything from the past. Like, there's no more. 
oh, do you remember this? Or, oh, my God, I forgot about that. Like, nostalgia is so deep, and the social media existence brings it into your face so much, like classic clips. You can follow a Twitter account and see a million mm-hmm. classic clips, right? But right. It, I feel it, like we're, like, constantly trying to, like, when I'm watching stuff and I feel like I see something. Like, I feel like we're all at this point trying to find, if we can ever find anything obscure enough where we feel like other people right. are not going to remember it, we feel like we've, like, struck gold. Because oh, yeah. it's like everyone knows everything. I remember when I saw my Twitter, um, when I was watching, it was like a January 91 MSG, I think. It was the one where Smash does the plancha over the top. And I <laughs> tweeted it because I don't think it had ever really been seen. And the tweet blew up um, because it was just like such, I don't think that one was out there. Like Smash doing this fucking plancha and flopping to the floor right. out of nowhere in 1991. But in 2000, like that's when nostalgia for the early 90s and late 80s was really starting. Like, oh, my God, remember Punky Brewster and, like, uh, Fraggle Rock. And, like, because websites were bringing that out. So all of a sudden you had, like, I love the 80s.com. And right. it was just, like, yep. stills of shit from the 80s. And wrestle crap was like that for wrestling. It was like, oh, my God, remember, um, you know, Papa Shango or remember uh, Phantasma, whatever the guy's name. I kept drawing his name. No. Fantasio. Um, you know, remember the Ninja Turtles, right? Like gobbledygooker, yeah, yeah, gobbledygooker. Like it was like shit you didn't see a lot of because unless you had the tapes or the old magazine, like you just weren't, it just wasn't talked about as much because you were in the moment of the Attitude Era so much, and it wasn't really until like 2001, 02 where that nostalgia really kicked in, and that's when Hulkamania got hot again, right? 02, and all of a sudden I loved the 80s or I loved the 90s. Um, My VH1 got hot, like all that stuff started to really pick up. But, um, so something, the wrestling crap was like amazing. Like I still remember sitting in computer class with John Walters. Um, and just like, we would just be every, before class started and we'd get there a few minutes early and pull up wrestling crap to see who, like who the new entry was, um, that week. So that, that site was a big one, um, for me. So I think those are the, the first really big ones. It was wrestling crap, one wrestling CRZ, Scott Key. Right. Quick aside, Rhonda in the crowd here. It's very uh, right for her debut one. the next night. Right, <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah, it's crazy to think yeah. that like all of Rhonda's big matches. I think pretty much. Right. This is kind of the, yeah the start. But yeah, it's the same. It was kind of like that for me, and I feel like as you get older, it kind of fuels this sort of like for me, it sort of fueled my second wind as a wrestling fan because as mm-hmm. a kid, I didn't know anything about all of these like that people reviewed this stuff and all the backstage shit and all that and then as i got older and like a teenager i started discovering like people reviewed all these shows and all this backstage drama it just revealed like this whole uh this whole other aspect of all this that kind of like like if as if it wasn't already like fascinating enough to me just watching the shows as like this like you know in the same way people would like read any kind of like a comic or something then you realize like you have all this like there's the the critical part of it where people are, are watching all this stuff and like giving it star ratings. Like when I discovered that was the thing people did, I was like, holy shit. Like I would have never thought like when I was watching in your house, when I was a kid that people were watching this and giving it like a Siskel and Ebert, like, you know, <laughs> star rating. But like I was into it. Like it was just like fascinating to me. And so it kind of fueled, it, it's kind of weird. Like as you get older, that sort of becomes part of it and just kind of adds fuel to the fire. Like, and then reading about all the backstage drama and finding out like, you know, Dave Meltzer stuff and that people have written books about all this and shoot interviews and all that part of it just kind of 
adds to all that as you get to be an adult. And I think that's kind of what always keeps you going is because there's just so many aspects to it that, you know, like you could watch it as a TV mm-hmm. show. You can be fascinated with the backstage part. Like there's, I mean, there's people who are obsessed with the business part of it, like the, right. the ratings and all that. I mean, I'm not really so much, but you know, there's just so many facets of this. Like, you know, there's people like, um, like, I know like Aaron for him as somebody who does theater, like the, the live performance aspect of right. it, I know is like such a huge part for him. I mean, for all of us, but you know, there's just so many aspects to it that are just, that you can always find an angle to be interested in. And the rewatchability. Like, this is so much to rewatch or learn. Like you said, like, finding different stuff, which is why I am loving so much doing, like, ECW Extreme Three-Way Dance every other Thursday here on North-South, uh, going through the history of that because it's stuff I know generalities of, but not the nuts and bolts of the week-to-week. So I'm, like, really loving. It's almost like watching it for the first time, most of it, um, in the moment. So, like, I get excited when it comes time to watch and prep for it and there's just so many other things about it and not only the rewatchability but like i said the re-readability like i've read those crz 98 99 2000 raw and smackdowns uh, you know dozens of times probably just before cell phones right <laughs> before you could just like kill time endlessly on social media there was that zone of like 10 years or so where you had the internet but you probably didn't have your phone, right? You might have like flip phone or something. But so I'd be at my desk at work, and on one screen I had my work, and the other screen I had CRZ, mm-hmm. right? I would just go through, read them again, read them again, read them again. Or even, uh, you know, it's it's a joke on PTV, the Herb Coons notes. But I've read those fucking tidbits like again <laughs> dozens of times because you just look for shit to read to kill time between phone calls or whatever. So it's like, all right, I'm just gonna read through Herb Coons again and you know relive it, relive that time period. So some of that stuff is so rereadable. And I, I know others felt that way even about like me and Scott's written reviews, you know, that we read them a bunch of times before the podcasts. And I think you're right. Like I think podcasts have kind of taken the wind out of stuff like that as much because it might just be easier to listen on the go versus like sit and read something. Right. And funny enough, um, actually today, so I was watching finishing up Rumble 2003 for the uh, Ruthless Aggressive podcast. And after I finished, I wanted to go find you guys review. So I was like <laughs> yeah. looking for it. But I was trying to, um, I, I was kind of, I didn't have time. I was trying to remember my uh, pro boards password, but because it used to be, it would let you look at it, but now it's like, you have to log in. I think we got so time. much spam. I changed it. Like a right. couple of years ago, remember I tried to kind of like reignite it a little bit. Um, maybe like three or four years ago. And I went through it. I cleaned up some stuff and retitled some stuff. And, uh, the spam was like out of control. Like it was like. Was it Riddle? I think Riddle was still posting his reviews there for like a long time. <laughs> and then it was like just spam shit. So I'm like, you know what? I just turned off guests finally because like it's really just an archive at this point for people to go like you and find old reviews and stuff and dig in either there or PTB. If you are ever looking for stuff, a lot of my shit's on the JT archives blog spot. So if you're ever stuck, I, I transitioned most of it there. I, have to, I, have to, I knew you had that, but I, I guess I didn't think of it being there. I should have though. But yeah, I was like watching. I was like, man, I wonder what the PTP review was, the written review. I need to go back and check it out where it all began. It is. It's crazy. It's just, I mean, yeah. Like I was thinking the other day, like, you know, I started podcasts when I was like 30, <laughs> age 30. It was your age. It was your right. age back then, right. um, which is crazy. Like, it's just been a part of my life consistently for that long. And I can't even say, like, at this times, I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm just done. But, it's not that often, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think the pandemic, oddly, that was like the one, for me, the one positive of the pandemic was that, I don't want to say it reignited me, but it restructured my, the way I do podcasts, because I had that extra time at night for a while to figure things out, ended up adding shows, of course, but I was always like, I want to record it, and I want to air it. I was never a pre-record a bunch of stuff and have it ready, and that, the pandemic changed that for me, like, now I'm all about just like getting shit canned, saved, um, record multiple things in a night. Like it, it was just never my style, but it just like reframed right. it. And I think in a way, I mean, obviously this right. I South feel like where you are, the pandemic, that's but. the only possible way to, to do oh, what yeah. you do. <laughs> well, it's crazy because people I think are like, oh, well, you do this every night. Like I have like 10 shows at this point, probably. I literally record only like guaranteed probably two nights a week. And then sometimes I'll sneak stuff in like late at night, like something like this or nine oh two one oh. Um but the bulk of my shows like are like recorded like in like twice a week and then the rest of the week I'm not doing any. Got it down. And this is this is the weekend. Um this is for takeover New Orleans when everybody's in town and we had the tailgate and that's when I met everyone and here I am now doing like six podcasts. <laughs> so you, so you kinda came out of nowhere because you weren't with us like walking around the city you weren't with us at takeover but you showed up to the tailgate and then i feel like some people have to come up but you you earned the place in everyone's heart because you left the tailgate to go get was it crab legs right it was it was crawfish yeah crawfish i'll never um i'll never forget but uh damato and um cowboy were the ones who kind of took me under their wing because they were like they kind of knew it was like but i feel like i just it's the same thing with like emailing you to get into the group. It was just like, right. I was like, you know, I just got to take the leap. I mean, everybody's here. It'd be, it'd right. be fucking stupid to not like, I live here. Like I have no, right. so I got to fly across the country to meet these people. It's like, they're going to be here. I should just go meet everyone, you know, it worked out, but I, I'll never forget. Um, cowboy and damato like taking me under their wing and i remember making like some inappropriate joke and i feel like i earned damato's respect after <laughs> that he was like all right this guy's cool he's with us right so who who wanted the crawfish show was it pete i feel like someone said it and you were like i'll go get it i don't know if anyone said it i, I think i was just like you know what this is part of the tradition here you gotta have it right. i remember i'll never forget that you <laughs> like pete was slamming him and you looked at him and he's like you want something and you're like no i'm not eating <laughs> There's no chance in hell. I mean, that. And Pete was just like killing him. And I, I remember turning and giving Pete the thumbs up, and he was just like sucking the heads going at it. Uh, I love Pete. Pete at that tailgate was awesome. He came in. I don't think he even said hi to anyone. He just walked up, got the plate, and went into the fucking buffet line. Um, but no, that, that was a great time, of course. Yeah. And then I guess you were pretty much on from there. Like, what was your first podcast you started? Was it. So NXT? the first one I did. It was it was NXT right before I started doing the Ruthless Aggressive podcast. That would have been the second one, and um, because I reached you waited out, that my, long because that was eighteen we met, and Ruthless Aggressive would have been twenty. It was two years. Right. It, it was it was right before COVID. Like um, and so I got the idea, and so I um, you know I kind of like uh, like Jenny and Tim just through like the chats and stuff. We had kind of you know, hit it off a bit. And so I was like, you know, I, I kind of had the idea to do the podcast, but I was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. So let me get a couple people that, you know, I've done this a little bit before and then I'll, you know, tag along with them and they can kind of, you know, like I'll be the broomstick and they will be Ric Flair. And so I kind of 
had that idea. And then not long after that, you kind of, you asked me like, you know, um, cause it was right when that show, the, the ruthless, ruthless aggression show came out and right. you were kind of the North South was just starting and you were kind of, I guess, batting around ideas of what you wanted to do. And like that era was kind of on everyone's mind and you just kind of mm-hmm. asked me like, Hey, would you want to do it? I'm like, sure. And well, I feel like it was uncovered too. Like, Mm-hmm. Beyond that documentary, you never really heard pods about that era. I mean, you know, Scott, I went through all the pay-per-views, obviously, but mm-hmm. like you never heard about a deep dive of that. And, and it, it, O2 to me was always interesting. I, th- I think there was like bridge years always just interest me from like um minutia standpoint. I think it's why 96 has always been so interesting to me uh, because like there's so much change and in, in weird shit and. I'll tell you, going through Raw of 96, I think, like, 97 is probably going to be more of what I'm thinking of. Like, I think 97 is a real, like, throw everything against the wall, and everything is insane week to week. Oh, two like that. Always felt like that to me, because the year, if you look at the three checkpoints of the year, say, like, January, June, December or something, it's so crazy different. <laughs> like, so right. changes in that one year. It's nuts. And I always thought it would be cool to, like, I feel like that, just hearing you break down those smackdowns in like the summer of 02 was so interesting to me because i feel like that's so everyone talks highly of the smackdown six but you just don't ever remember the week-to-week stuff of reverend devon and you know it's like like all this random shit that they did in that time frame and i mean i will say like it's it's kind of a running joke but i just for as many pods as i do my pod listening is like very low like i just don't have like a ton mm-hmm. of time maybe once it gets nicer out like i start cutting the grass and stuff i'll listen to more but mm-hmm. yours i will say is one of my like must listen lists so i'm I'm actually up to date pretty much on your show uh, but it's just that era is super interesting to me right and it goes to what you're saying earlier like the um you know like you guys started the place to be podcast and y'all just did the, the pay-per-views month to month mm-hmm. and i was like man these guys are deep down. now we're at the point where like week to week <laughs> You and Aaron are going through every Rumble participant, like right. the microscope just keeps zooming in more as we get more <laughs> access to everything. It's kind of funny. And I think your, I think Ruthless Aggressive was the first non <clears throat> me, Chatter, Aaron pod on mm-hmm. North South, right? I mean, it started pretty. I remember, I think it started with Year That Was, because I think you guys had the same episode number for a while until Aaron took the break. Um, but you guys were like dead on. It was like episode one of that and yours was like tied together right and i was like um you know when you asked me to do it i was like well fuck i just started doing this man this is uh <laughs> but i was like you know what if you're gonna ask me to do it i'm i'm typically not gonna say no so here i am had you guessed it before nxt like when did you do i know you did ptb that was a, what like mm-hmm. summer of 89 right we did like the Meadowland show right Yes, I did. And I'll, I'll never forget. Um, like, it was the first time doing it. So I was like trying to be so prepared. And I had like, I feel so stupid. But I like, I typed out my notes and like printed them out. And <laughs> now I think back to that. I'm like, what, what was I doing? Printing out notes. Like, now I just put on my phone, throw in a Google Doc. Like, <laughs> but I was like, I wanted to be so prepared because I was so afraid of not having anything to say, you know? Was that your first yeah, was, ever podcast? Was PTB or had you already started NXT? I don't remember. No, no. The the I did PTB quite a bit before I started um okay. NXT. Yeah, I think I did I, I remember I was doing like two in a row because we watched one show and then you right. decided we'd cover the other one. And so we kind of did them back to back. Yeah, I but think it, it wasn't kinda, on the original plan. And we're like, oh, it was like that second Meadowlands one. We're like, we should just do both. Right. 
and so it kind of, but it, it kind of broke the, the, um, it kind of popped my cherry, you know, where I was like, oh, you know what, like, I could probably do this ever decided to do it. And then it was kind of always in the back of my head. And then I felt like I was always trying to think of what would be a good idea. And to like what you were saying earlier, I felt like when I had the idea to do the PTB NXT was the, the PTB NXT was um, whenever I felt like the NXT nostalgia was starting to like, even though, right. I mean, 2020, but I felt like even by that point, people were starting to get like it had, be, it was such a big thing. It was always interesting to me to go back and see. You know, like where it started and, and and like we said earlier just the idea of going i'm always fascinated of going through things chronologically and, the, and seeing how they progress is you know aside from whether i think it's going to be good or bad i always find that kind of interesting do you have like a target in mind for with this aggressive when that era ends you, you think in like 06 07 right that's that's kind of what i have in my head is 06 or 07 which would mm pin me finishing at like age 60 or something <laughs> but um but yeah i would think i would almost have to like because that whole era is, is really a blind spot like where i'm at now is i still kind of have memories of it but right my biggest blind spot would be like oh six to 2010 yeah like, i think I there's really, a i think mm-hmm. there's a few ways to look at that like you could argue oh five when cena like you could argue 21 as a stopping point I could see that with Cena Batista taking over. I could also see, honestly, like WrestleMania 25 or like mm-hmm. SummerSlam 08, like the PG era is like right. kind of the that's, next era. See, that's kind of how I think of it because, right. yeah, I feel like that's the next, you know, I think if you look at the how things progress, it's like Attitude Era, Ruthless Aggression Era, and then the PG era. And I know some people kind of call that like the reality era too. And then after that would be wherever the hell we are kind the of network. Now. It's kind of the network era. Right. Yeah. But the, um, I mean, you could even argue all the way to like 26, like Sean mm-hmm. retiring taker kind of goes part-time triple H kind of whittles down, um, you know, Batista leaves. So yeah, part of me feels like 21, WrestleMania 18 to WrestleMania 21 is kind of like the real Ruthless Aggressive era. Mm-hmm. And like 21, I think you could argue to 26 is like that weird in between. Right. Like the, uh, the equivalent of like the 17 to 19 kind of thing. Yeah. Where like 17 is the peak and then it kind of starts to fade. Like right. the attitude era kind of starts to fade after that. Yeah. You could kind of argue that. And then like the real PG stuff is. I mean, I think PG really starts at 09, but like 10 and 11 is like really bad until it kind of picks back up again. But yeah, it's interesting. We'll see. Yeah, I think you right. at least get to get to WrestleMania 21. That's like, that's a hardcore ruthless aggressive era to me. Right. Well, at this point, I'm like, you know, it's it's such a part of my like, <laughs> you know, I just keep chugging along. It's just kind of like a thing I do at this point, which I'm sure you're used to. <laughs> Well, it's cool because if TNA never dies, ever gets back, we'd be pretty tight now with the timeline again. Because um, we're in we're in early 03, I think, where we left off on that. So <laughs> 03 is interesting for sure. Right. I'm, I'm very interested, though, 03. I almost want to, like, I have the idea of, like, asking people, like, reaching out to people, be like, if you were to rewatch 03, what would be, like, 
the big questions that you would have right. about 03 to see if it like if that really if that still plays out. Is this like the page? It is. <laughs> it's the page here. <laughs> the, page, the page yeah. beam. Yeah, the page beam. Poor thing. <laughs> She's not looking in this promo at all. Um, so who's your uh, favorite wrestler of all time, Jake? So my, I think I want to go all time. It would probably be Macho Man, which was on a lot of our GWWE lists. But if I would say like sentimental favorite, it would probably be to uh, Marcus's chagrin. It would probably be Shawn Michaels just because of that um, that early era. Like it was just like the thing at the time when I first got into wrestling, and then even later on, like in that later era. But yeah, but Macho Man, I think if I'm looking full circle, like you know, as a wrestling fan now, and the way I look at wrestling, it's definitely Macho Man. Like he's just um, like there's nobody else. Like when he comes on screen, you just like immediately get happy that he's on screen at all times. I will say that I can't hear the name Shawn Michaels anymore without hearing Marcus say it as Booker T in the Christmas play. Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Shawn Michaels. <laughs> So that's all I hear now when I think of it. So you got to pay back, I guess. Um, favorite match of all time? Like if I said, Jake, put on a match right now for us to watch. Oh man, that's a tough one. I mean, there's like the the easy ones, like uh, you know, uh, Austin Brett, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if I'm thinking like deeper into it, like the um, man. There's so many. Like, there's weird ones, too, that just, like, are sentimental. Like, I rented the Royal Rumble 99 tape so many times. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the uh, the Mankind Rock match is, like, ingrained in my brain. That one's kind of like, you know, you just have those ones that you've just seen so many times because of the tape or something. Mm-hmm. That one's always in my brain. Um, Rumble 92, I love. I mean, these are not, like, <laughs> these are not the most obscure hot takes, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, Doesn't have to be. Right. So those two, I'm trying to think if there's any like kind of random ones. Um, the Gargano, um, Gargano almost match. I'm mm-hmm. always jealous that you get that you got to see that one live because I always yeah, that, that was incredible live. Okay. The uh, what is well, what's the what's your favorite match you've ever seen live? Not the best. What's your favorite? My favorite match that I've seen live. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. It would probably be something. I would have to think of a specific match, but it might be from um, WrestleMania in Tampa. Um, I want to say the close of night one, which would have been Bianca and Sasha, just because of, you know, like you said many times, like that, um, like just being back out doing something Mm -hmm. after COVID and being with everyone at like a WrestleMania and it was like a fantastic match and it was just all that put together was just like it all just kind of culminated and that was just such a great weekend i would probably say that is up there for me yeah i think it's impossible to really explain to someone that wasn't at that show like what it was mm-hmm. like to be at that show like the just the vibe like i don't think i've ever been to a show where just everyone was so chill <laughs> like like i feel like nothing got booed at that show everyone's like yeah whatever like even the rain I right, like, I was going to say, too, the rain, no one gave a shit. Like, right, if that was, like, two years earlier, everyone would have been fucking crying online. Like, oh, you know, like, but I feel like in that moment, it was like, eh, whatever. We'll go stand at the concourse for 20 minutes because, hey, well, look, we're with a bunch of people and our friends and we weren't doing this for, mm-hmm. like, a year, so. 
Right. Like everything just felt like like buying a thirteen dollar beer in the concession was like, Hey, look, I'm at a concession. That is this is awesome. I love it. I'm doing yeah, stuff again. <laughs> such a chill vibe. So what's the best match you saw live ever? Oh man, best match. You know, it might be depending on your opinions, like this show that we're watching take over. That ladder match is incredible. Um the one I just talked about that uh that Bianca match, that one was great. Uh, I'm trying to think of other shows I've gone to. Um, oh, um, WrestleMania 30 for sure. The mm-hmm. uh, the Daniel Bryan Triple H match, that's up there for sure. And um, that Daniel Bryan moment, that uh, the main event of that show too was awesome. Is that your favorite live show you've been to? Uh, probably like if I'm just thinking about the show itself and separating it from you know, like the experience of going mm-hmm. with everybody and stuff, probably so. What's your favorite trip with everyone, Tampa? Yeah, I think I would probably go Tampa. Mm-hmm. Though Vegas is up there too. The the suite was like just a, <laughs> a surreal kind of. I feel like we've been chasing that suite the last couple of times, and it's like we're never getting it back. I don't, I don't think that was a once in a lifetime. Um, right, stars yeah, aligning. Incredible. Yeah, this is incredible. Um, least favorite wrestler. If I had to say Jake, I'm gonna put this match on with this guy, and you're like, nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously doing the Roots of the Aggressive podcast, Bubba Ray Dudley, I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. low on. Um, oh man, I'm trying to think of anybody. I'm always, uh, I guess it's like, I'm, I'm trying to think of people I hate because I, I guess I think more about people I like than hate. Like, I'm trying to think of people who have like, definitely Bubba. Um, on PTB NXT, we've always hated the Ascension. <laughs> yeah. They suck. Um, which we have the... Um, AOP, who are like the um, the mm-hmm. souped up version. It's like what Ascension was supposed to be. Um, oh man, I'd have to like think about this, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being positive. I don't have. I, maybe the okay. the, po- the favorites always stick out to me more than the the ones I hate. Bubba Ray and those cheese steaks. Right. <laughs> Piece of shit. All right, give me one crazy story. Um, one crazy story. So I, I mentioned how um. <laughs> well, <laughs> Tampa could be a crazy. Yeah. It doesn't have oh, to be yeah. wrestling related either. Any crazy ones run crazy Jake story. Right. So I, um, well, I could talk about what we went to, um, <laughs> we're in Savannah, Georgia and I nearly brained myself on the, <laughs> the pool of the, uh, where, where do we say that was the, um, Oh, I don't remember. It was like a Hampton Inn or something. Right. right Hampton Inn. And I almost, um, cracked my skull <laughs> open doing a swan time into the pool. I, uh, the world of beer in Tampa, I, uh, undertakered back to life to take, I've never the, seen uh, a recovery that way, that way, that much. <laughs> I rallied to take a photo on my deathbed. That was, um, that was a moment. <laughs> when Winston walked you up those stairs, it was like a ghost, <laughs> a ghost that come back to life. <laughs> the blind leading the blind. <laughs> um, the karaoke in Tampa was, um, that was fun. Not really crazy, but that place was crazy, though. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was maybe a front for some things. But. I think we've had a lot of, like, once-in-a-lifetime experiences on these things. Like, never going to find another karaoke setup like that, probably. Right. With, with, the, no, uh, with no actual karaoke songs. Yes. Right. And the the, a giant, a giant like, <laughs> three, three by three feet, like, remote, all in Korean. <laughs> Tim Salka mastered that, though, at least. First, I'll never forget um, 
it was trying to find the song. So I was give the fucker remote to Tim, and he already had it. <laughs> he just couldn't figure it out. It's just, you know, it's just assumed, it's assumed he would have had it, you know. Oh, man. Uh, all right, anything you want to plug before we wrap up? Of course, I have the Ruthless Aggressive Podcast, which I've mentioned numerous times here. Um, over on the Place to Be Nation Wrestling feed, I do um, uh, mostly pods with my pal Logan Crossland um, from Mississippi. We do um, uh, Highway to the Impact Zone, which is uh, covering like a parallel time frame of TNA that you guys um, cover. And we also do a YouTube, uh, which is always a lot of fun. I've been doing a lot more of the um, the, the live watch shows, which I, I've I've enjoyed that lately. It's like kind of different than doing the, the taking notes and that sort of thing, just to kind of do more of the uh, the mystery science theater thing. is a lot of fun. It's fun. It's also it's like it's stressful in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like what we talked about before coming on this for this show. Like sometimes at least if you have notes and you know you're going to go match by match and you've got stuff to talk about, but it's a lot more prep. The live watches, there's no prep, but you really have to be confident that you're going to fill, you know, fill that time and fill that air. Right. Uh, all right. Well, listen. I really enjoyed this catch up with you. Mm-hmm. It was a great time. Uh, this is a much needed rewatch of New Orleans Takeover, which I've not watched in a while. Um, right. Probably we since have, we have Butch there. on screen right now. Yes, but <laughs> little Butch is here. Ryan Gray. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, everyone, stay connected. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for everything that you all do for North South Connection, whether it's sharing, listening, downloading, leave, leaving reviews creating content love you all uh it's a lot of great content and i'm super proud and impressed with everyone's consistency and dedication to everything at the feed so check it all out northsouthconnection.podbean.com stay connected i'm jts jake talk to you later